Hi, and welcome to the Ex-Mail Recruitment Podcast, where we share career advice for service leavers and veterans. I'm Rosie Vilecce, and I'm the Head of Marketing here at Ex-Mail Recruitment. Although I didn't serve myself, I'm an original military brat. My dad served in the Navy for 40 years, and my brother is on year 26 and counting. Throughout this podcast, I will be your hostess. I will interview guests, chat with the XMail team, and facilitate conversations that help veterans like you to get the jobs they truly want. Here's today's episode. Today's episode is all about how to nail the interview, right? I mean, your CV did the job and it got you the interview, but now it's all down to you and that conversation to actually, you know, get you the employment that you want. Of course, today I'm not alone. I have here with me Ben Shorter, who is the managing director of XMail Recruitment, and he has more than 15 years experience in the recruitment industry. So he's definitely the guy to help us today understand, okay, what is it that we need to do when it comes to actually nailing an interview? Hello, Ben. How are you doing? I'm really good, Rosie. How are you? Doing great. Very, very happy to chat with you again. And I am quite excited about this episode, to be honest, because again, I know that you guys get a lot of questions about interviews. You support your candidates a lot, you and your consultant, your your team. So I'm quite excited to hear a bit more about what you can share with our listeners. So let's just dive straight in and talk about the preparation for the interview, right? That's where it all starts. So what would you say is the beginning of this preparation phase? Yeah, I think if someone has offered you a chance to go and interview with them, you want to be armed with as, as much information as possible to allow you to sell yourself in and demonstrate that you're the right person for the job. So what that means is you might want to be looking at the company's webpage, their news, blogs, and I love LinkedIn as a tool. So Mm. if I was interviewing for someone, I would go into that LinkedIn page, not just look at the company LinkedIn page, but start to look at the profiles of people that currently work there. Yeah, do a little bit of recon, so to speak, just to understand, okay, who am I? talking to who's on the other side of the desk in front of me or of the laptop in front of me and what can I learn about them so that's a bit the research that you're talking about of course a lot of people see an interview as something quite formal and one way whereas I know that you firmly believe and I am there with you to be honest that an interview is very much a conversation this is what it is about so if we were to think about it with that mindset I'm just going in to have a conversation is a two-way situation what would you recommend somebody to do so I think for the candidate you need to be you need to ask the question so that you understand is this the right role for you right because we spend a lot of our time bloody working don't we yeah yeah you you want to make sure you're working in the right team for the right business for the right conditions so it's important that you understand that you're assessing them as much as they're assessing you. Yes. So when it comes to those questions, again, we talked about the research. So you got an idea about the people, the company that you're talking to, but then you got your questions. What kind of, or how would you go on about picking those questions? Are there questions that you definitely should never ask? Or does that depend on the interview stage? What would you say about that? I think for me, I've always seen, like, when you asked at the end of the interview, have you got any questions for us? 
there's two types of questions that you can ask. The first type of question is to create a conversation around maybe something you've not been able to mention before because they've not mm -hmm. asked you a question on it. So you can demonstrate further competence about how, how you'd be amazing in that job. And then the second type of question is questions to build rapport. So I remember once when I was being interviewed for a training job, um, I asked a question about why do you enjoy training these types of delegates? Me and the interviewer then spent 15 minutes talking about working with people from a range of disadvantaged backgrounds and why we were both passionate about it. I walked out of that interview knowing that I had that job. Yeah, yeah, you basically tried to create that personal connection, just also, I guess, to showcase that not only you were the man for the job, but that you could probably understand what they were looking for, but also that you could fit in just as a person. Uh, 100%, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. Like, as an interviewer, when I'm interviewing someone, I'm looking for two things. One, can they do the job that I require? But two, and it's almost as important, will they fit in with my team and my culture? Like you, you can imagine it with uh, X mil, like a team of people that half have served and some have served for years and years. There's lots of banter and <laughs> lots of things in the office yeah. that he wouldn't share everywhere else. I need to make sure that someone joining my team is able to fit in with us. We're, we're a team that's highly committed to each other. Yeah. So it's not just about can someone do the job, but how well do they fit within uh, the team? And I guess, again, this is one of those two-way situations. And I was actually just talking earlier today to one of my friends who's applying for a job herself. Now, clearly, I'm not a recruiter. I got no clue. Marketing is my expertise. But this person was saying, you know, I'm quite looking forward to not having to work uh, on weekends that much anymore because that's what she does right now, right? And she's not had a lot of experience in terms of big companies and all of that. And I did say to her, you know, it does come down probably to the values and the company culture. So I did say to her, now that you're about to face a new interview, maybe just take a look actually the company culture, right? I mean, that, this is part of the research I think that somebody should do. Um, what would you say, you know, again, when it comes to the company culture, how, how would you tell somebody to go on about that? Yeah, no, definitely. Like you can understand the types of things that they're putting out there, whether it's on LinkedIn or Facebook or TikTok even. Like the more you understand that company, the more you can almost sell in why you want to work for them and why you think you are the right person to be successful within that job. Thank you. That makes absolute sense. We are talking already about this, you know, during the interview moment. I know that you have a lot of tips when it comes to this, but how can somebody demonstrate in a most effective way their expertise, their experience, the results that they have achieved in their previous jobs, whatever they might be? What, what would you say? It's almost the irony, isn't it? Like the best person doesn't always get the job. It's the person who interviews best. <laughs> How you can it. sell yourself, uh, basically, yeah. 100%. And you can probably imagine as someone that's worked in sales for all of my career, yeah. I, I, I did really well at interviews because I know how to sell myself. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I did was always have my interview answers prepared. So I spent yeah. time understanding, okay, what do companies that interview for recruitment consultants, recruitment team leaders or, or trainers for the recruitment industry, what questions are they going to ask me? And then how can I 
give them the best possible answer that demonstrates my expertise. So what I always did was have five core examples prepared up front that I could then pull out of the hat when I was asked about a situation. So when you say five core examples, where those examples relevant to a specific key skill that they were looking for or? Let me, let me give you an example. So when I was interviewing for a training role in a really big recruitment agency, I knew that being young, they were going to ask me, Ben, what's your experience of dealing with a difficult person in a training right. situation? Yeah. <laughs> and it was quite funny. I remember the interviewer afterwards said, like, wow, your example was really good, Ben. Yeah. What they didn't realise is I practised that example a lot. You were prepared. I, I, I knew that I was going to be asked that question. Yeah. And ha- how I did it was use something that's quite common. It's called the um, STAR, um, the STAR criteria for example. STAR uh, framework. Star, there we go, STAR framework. So as much as I've done this lots, Rosie, apparently my, my mind's a bit... <laughs> Gotcha, gotcha. Being be put in pressurised interview situations. Yeah, it's the star framework. We got the, the, it. The, the star framework. I found it incredibly useful. And what I used to do was construct examples based on expected questions using the star framework so I could pull it out of the hat when there was a question that asked me to demonstrate a certain skill. So what does the STAR framework stand for? So the STAR framework stands for situation, as in give context to the situation, task, what specifically did you have to do within that situation, the action, how did you deal with that, with that situation, and result, what was the result of the action that you took. So as an example, Going to the example that I mentioned, dealing with difficult people in a training situation. So I started with the situation. I was an um, employment trainer within Walthamstow um, for a company that supported people that were out of work on a, a long-term basis and supporting them to get into work. What was the task? So I was regularly training uh, people from disadvantaged backgrounds. And at one point, I was delivering a session with ex-offenders the action. There was someone in the training session that I was doing that thought it was a waste of time. So what I did was understand more about them and spent some time building rapport with them, showing them that, look, I'm I'm not just doing this for the sake of it. I'm doing this because I want to help you get a job. So by understanding their situation, I was able to give them tangible examples that would support their career. The result was this person came in all disruptive and they left giving me really positive reviews and actually enjoyed coming back to the training courses that um, the company I was working for delivered. So if you think about it, what I'm doing there is telling a story about a, a difficult person. Yeah. And obviously, like, you don't need to overdo this, but you're telling a story. So it should last somewhere between two and five minutes the more you paint a picture, the better it is. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. Sometimes the result isn't positive, but you can demonstrate that you've learned from that result. Yeah. So that is how to answer almost any type of competency-based interview. The star framework, what's the situation, what's the task at hand, what action did you specifically do and what was the result? And one thing that I always say to ex-service leaders of, or veterans is make sure when you talk about the action, it's not what we did, it's what I did. 
And yeah. I think that this is one of the common things I see with service leavers is they're so used to being in a team environment that they will say we, not I. And that can sometimes make a difference in the interviewer's head because they're not interviewing your team or unit, they're interviewing you. Yes, so it's really important to understand that when it comes to your civilian career, eventually is about you. So it's great if you're that kind of humble person, it's going to definitely get you far. But when it comes to the interview, you want to make sure to highlight what it is that you've done. And I love that you talked about doing it in a way that it's a story. And uh, I personally wish I would have known this, I don't know, 10 years ago. I remember I actually missed out on a job opportunity because of not having that star framework ready whatsoever. I mean, I was very young. This, we're talking about like 10, 12 years ago before I even started my business. And um, I went in and this interviewer was quite harsh, in all honesty. And she kept on asking me these examples. And I felt like I was trying to answer it, but I did not have everything prepared. And I'm pretty sure that that, and of course, just the fact that I think we had a very negative vibe between the two of us, um, cost me the job you know so it's a great tip you know I love that you're just creating the awareness about it because as you said if you're prepared it just becomes a bit easier 100% and I think this was almost the thing where I got into the recruitment industry at a young age because I found this out through hearing feedback it's why I sometimes had jobs way before I was ready for that job because I was really good at interviewing absolutely absolutely and actually we're talking already about you know, what not to do. So don't like not being prepared would be an issue. But what would you say are some of the things that you should avoid? Or can you tell us like a couple of stories of maybe interviews that went very, very wrong because somebody did something wrong yeah. or something that they shouldn't have done, let's say like that? You've always got to know your audience. Like as, as we said at the beginning, the interviewer is looking for not just how competent you are, but how do you fit in within a team? Yeah. So for example... We once had someone on interview, they did really well in the first stage. And on the second interview, they just put their guard down. They started casually swearing and (laughs) tried to banter. And the banter just wasn't appropriate for their audience. And it literally got them cut out. Like, and and almost it was that thing where we thought, oh, this is going to be a certain placement. And then suddenly the, the feedback was the opposite. So what, what you want to do is present your, your best self, but you want to recognise your, your your audience. Like there are some interviews where if you, you're with the right person and maybe that person's incredibly informal with you, it's fine to be informal. Yeah. However, if you're with someone who's not being informal with you at, at that stage, then be a bit more formal. Recognise who it is you're speaking to in terms of your audience and remember it's not your friends down the path yeah I guess it's not about concealing parts of yourself but it's about understanding when to showcase all of you and when maybe you know to dim it down a little bit and make sure that you're not showing that you hate maybe like you're applying to do I don't know what uh, maybe like something in retailing or whatever and then you're saying that you hate fashion retailing going shopping I mean that might not work to your advantage it's just as simple as that (laughs) no exactly exactly I think this is the thing is putting your best foot forward and recognizing that people are going to make judgments very quickly like on an unconscious level you're being judged the second you walk into that room and Mm. I've had it before where someone's 
come in, been a bit of a car crash, they've been late, maybe they wasn't dressed appropriately. Mm-hmm. And in in my mind, I'm already that they've already started from a place of weakness where if you think about it like a scoreboard, they've already lost points and now they're having to make up with them. Yeah. And there, there's something called and this is me going into a little bit of psychology now. Yeah. The, the primacy and recency effect. Mm. People remember the first thing and the last thing more than the middle. So right. if you start the interview really strong and you end it really strong, you'd actually do better than someone who starts badly, ends badly, but gives some really good answers in the middle. Yeah. And also, I'm going to now make a very pop culture reference here, but as uh, Gordon Ramsay says, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. <laughs> <laughs> just for a little giggle but I mean I think he's right in that right it's, it's the, the impression and eventually what they're going to remember oftentimes is also how you leave them so if towards the end of the interview you're just bombing it in a terrible way probably just gonna really stick with them exactly and that's what I always love to ask the question at the end like what do you enjoy about your job or what do you enjoy about this company or or what about your work do you enjoy the most because if I left the interviewer feeling positive and smiling they might not remember it's that that quote isn't it they might not remember exactly what I said but they will remember that they felt positive at the uh, at the end of the interview and they will associate that with me yeah it's they will remember how you make them feel more so than what you said so yeah that's that's absolutely important what what would you say is one major tip to actually make a positive impression of somebody I mean clearly you said already a few things about this but you know one big tip if you can find out what the interviewer is looking for by maybe doing some research on their LinkedIn profile you can see ways to build rapport with them so for example I was interviewing with this company once and I noticed that one of the directors had worked for a company that I'd interviewed with in the past Mm. so we started speaking around that and it gave me an insight that their way of doing recruitment was highly ethical, which meant I had really positioned myself around that. And I remember he said to me afterwards, so I was successful, obviously. of course. Obviously. (laughs) Um, And he said to me, um, I liked all your answers, Ben, but it really seemed that you'd done your research and you knew what I was looking for. And he, he was telling me that they had someone else in the interview process and that person had almost rather than talked about the ethical side of recruitment, was talking about some of the more unethical things. And the irony was they were talking about a tool and they were almost overselling it in a way that Mm. the company were a little bit scared of it. Oh, okay. Ironically, (laughs) that company ended up utilising that tool and I taught it to all of their staff. Yeah. But it was more about how it was positioned. They positioned it as like this quick fix that it could do endless amounts of things and was be able yeah. to uncover candidates in a way that wasn't ethical, whereas it, it's a search tool. So yeah. it wasn't all that. So the reality was I was successful just because I understood what the interviewer was looking for by doing some research on him and understanding the type of person that he is through their LinkedIn posts. The more, more you understand what your interviewer is looking for, the better it's going to be. I mean, we do say this when it comes to sales. I mean, I could say that even in terms of marketing, that especially when you're trying to sell something or sell yourself, it's all about listening 
and understanding really what people are looking for. And I think for an interview, it does really come down a lot to listening. You know, if you are listening carefully to what these people are telling you, if you can pick up the cues, then you can probably use it to your advantage because now you can actually respond, reply in a way that is meaningful. It's not about all the amount of words that you use, but it's about saying the right things, right? A hundred percent. The neuro-linguistic term, uh, neuro-linguistic programming term, matching and mirroring, yeah. like, is so, so useful for interview situations. Yeah. Not just doing it in an artificial level, but if you understand that someone is into something, create a conversation around it, whether it's them talking about being into sport or holidays or passion for a certain piece of technology, the more you build rapport around it, the more they see themselves working with you. And if the interviewer starts to see themselves in their mind of working with you, you're almost there. You pretty much got it. And of course, there is also, I mean, you talked about matching and maybe even more so than the mirroring, but the matching can even be very, very useful for actually answering all those technical questions and all of that, right? Because if you are matching the words that they are using, it will also show that you understand, again, what it is that they are looking for. Because if they talk or describe a specific technical competency or something in a certain way, but you describe it in a completely different way, they could also just lead to a misunderstanding or them not being sure that you know what it is that they are looking for or that you don't know what you're doing or something like that. So that is also where matching can be quite important because now you're actually saying, hey, yes, I understand what you're talking about and I can talk about it too. And this is my expertise, right? Yeah, definitely. And I think this is a thing as well. Like when when you're going down this road, it's almost as well being honest about what you can and can't do. Like yeah. an interviewer doesn't expect you to be able to do every aspect of the job no, nine no. times out of 10. Of course. Like it's very rare for a recruiter to find a candidate that is 100% there on everything and matches the salary expectations and, and yada, yada. So you want to be open and honest about what you can't do but equally looking at things that transfer across that maybe mm-hmm. the interviewer didn't realise they did. One, one little tip that I had was if I'm doing a face-to-face interview, I'll always get a drink. If yeah. I'm doing an online interview, I'll always have a drink next to me. And when I say drink, make sure it's not alcoholic. The world is <laughs> soft <laughs> drinks, soft drinks. The world has changed quite a bit. Um, the reason I have that though is if I'm asked something and I need that extra moment to think about it, I will take a sip of my drink so I can process an answer without going straight into it. You can think like, without uh, actually then waffling an answer, but it gives you the extra moment. Exactly. And I think this is the thing, isn't it? Like the more concise and precise you are within your language, the more mm-hmm. confidence it gives to the interviewer. They think, ah, this this person really does know what they're all about. Yeah, that's great. All right, we're getting towards the end of this episode. And of course, we talked about the preparation of the interview. We talked about the interview itself and how to communicate your experience, you know, how to communicate that basically you're the great, greatest candidate that they will see in an interview. And then there is, of course, the after the interview moment right so what happens after somebody has done an interview what would you advise them to do as soon as that that is done and they're back home or maybe you know they're just turning off their laptop and the interview is done 
Cool. So I think this is dependent on how you got the interview in the first place. So say, for example, if you came for a recruitment agency, i.e. it was me that sent you onto that interview, one, a good recruiter will call you directly after your interview. So they would say to you, oh, can you let me know the second the interview's done so I can call you? Obviously, the recruiter wants to know how it's gone. And recruiters who are good will always speak to the candidate first. first because yeah. what we want to do, we want to understand how did you feel? But most importantly, okay, if you was asked to do a further stage in the interview process or you was offered the job, how would you react? Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm going to do after you've done an interview. I'm going to come to you and say, okay, what happened in there? What sort of answers did you give? Was there anything you weren't happy about? Is there anything that maybe you missed that I can say to the interviewer on your behalf? And ultimately, would if offered, would you like to continue within this process or would you, would you potentially take a job with that organisation? So be honest and tell me what, what, what it is you felt around it. Because ultimately, a recruiter doesn't want to place you in a job that you're not sure about. Right. And if you've got some concerns, maybe I can answer those concerns. Um, I would then always recommend you linking in with the hiring manager and then dropping them a quick note to say that you enjoyed the interview. And equally, say you're not going through a recruiter, so you're speaking to the company directly. Again, always thank the interviewer for their time. And if you would like the position, always express that. Yeah. So send a quick email, say, hey, thank you so much for today. I really enjoyed it. And then just express, as you were saying, the interest. How would you do that? I'd even say, so, uh, hi, Rosie, I really enjoyed our interview earlier. I I could see myself working with you. So I'm, I'm really enthusiastic about what happened. Could you please let me know what the next step is? Because I'm really interested in pursuing this opportunity. Yeah. All right. That sounds really, really good. So we are at the end of our episode. But before we do the little summary to just round up everything that we talked about, is there any other special secret tip that you would want to share with our listeners? Something that maybe applies specifically to veterans? I think... The thing that I come across the most is veterans who, oh no, not so much veterans, but more service leavers who are looking at their first job and they overthink the interview process. The more relaxed you are and the more prepared you are, the more likely you are to succeed. So if you get over nervous about it, the best thing to do is to find some peers and again, my inbox is always open to this and just practice with us. The, the reason I got good at interviewing is because I forced it onto friends and family members of mine. It's like, <laughs> this is an interview question I'm going to get. Here's the questions, now ask them to me. Yeah. It's why I smashed interviews because I was always massively prepared, but I wasn't going in there and saying anything new. Of course, for anybody who wants to connect with Ben, we will put all the details in the show footnotes. But Ben, if you want to just remind them what it is, Yep, so you can find me on LinkedIn is uh, Ben Shorter. Um, obviously, you'll see me representing Exmoor Recruitment. And you can email me on ben at ex-mil.co.uk. Perfect. Thank you so much. All right. So let's sum it all up, Ben. We have talked about, first of all, the preparation for the interview. So it's all about researching and preparing yourself, researching the company, researching the person that you're talking to 
just to understand who they are, what it is that they are looking for, and then prepare yourself some questions. So have questions ready that would demonstrate, or better, have questions that would help you to make a point about your own skills, demonstrate the skills, but also questions that can help you build a report, understand a little bit more about maybe the company culture and showcase what your values are. Remember as well to talk about you. So don't say we, we, we about your team, but actually focus on about I, you know, what you did. Then Ben shared with us the great framework that is called STAR, the STAR framework, which helps you, especially with competency-based interviews. And it's a great way to really demonstrate all the results that you've achieved, to demonstrate how you go on about maybe a difficult or challenging situation or how you actually achieved something. Keep it, of course, tangible. Make sure that you're mentioning those results. Focus on listening so that you really know what it is that they are looking for. And at the end of that interview, after everything has been said and done, remember to follow up. Have I missed anything, Ben? No, sorry. You've given an amazing summary. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. And that's it for today. Again, Ben, thank you so much for being with me on this journey and for sharing your knowledge and all these great tips about how to nail the interview. Again, If you are listening to this, make sure to connect with Ben on LinkedIn. All the details will be in the notes below. And for anything, just contact XMIL Recruitment and Ben and his team will support you. Thank you so much for being with us today and I'll see you next time. Thank you, Ben. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. And hey, remember to subscribe to our podcast to never miss any new releases and to share it with other veterans within your community. If you want to connect with the XMIL team, please visit our website, www.ex-mil.co.uk or you can just connect with us on our LinkedIn page. Thank you so much and see you next time.